Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Boom, boom, boom. Puzzling Company. Nailed it. Zach, I told you, I told you a couple episodes ago, I said I was going to open this up like that, and I did, and I'm not going to lie, that's like 12, 13 out of 10. I don't know if you saw my face, Jared, but I closed my eyes and closed my mouth, and I just grinned, and I tried not to make an emotional to tell you how I felt. I just feel like that was spot on. Like Honestly, I thought the intro was playing again. I was quite surprised. <laughs> well, thank you for your kindness today. Absolutely. I won't make you a, uh, a victim of our uh, antagonist of our story today. Oh, please. Thank you. And position your body in weird ways after I destroy you. And on the... <laughs> <laughs> Another well, if you don't know what we're talking about today, we are talking about the Clockwinder, which is actually a very new game mm-hmm. by a new company as well called Sultans of Solve. And it is a really fun game. We had a lot of fun playing it. But mm-hmm. in that story, the victims do get positioned weirdly on the ground. That's the deep reference I was going for there. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but hold on one second. We're coming right back with Buzzling Company. Hey, do you like immersion? Well, I have the thing for you. If you go to Recon, which is Reality Escape Convention, here in August, August 22nd and the 23rd of the year 2021, you can see many things that involve immersion as well as other types of escape from reality. Things such as at-home puzzle games, escape rooms, so on and so forth. It's really a great place to kind of learn even more about the industry and kind of see what people are up to, as well as there's some really cool workshops to get more information about it. So if you like those things and you potentially even want to see us there, because guess what? We do have a panel there and you'll get to see ourselves as well as some other amazing creators. If you like all those things, make sure you guys check out Reality Escape Convention this year, which is August 22nd, 23rd of 2021. If you want more information about it, uh, you can just text me. No, just kidding. Don't do that. Um, If you want more information, please go to realityescapecon.com. That is a great place to get even more information. And hopefully I'll see you there. Welcome back, everybody, to Puzzling Company, the show where I talk about awkwardly positioning Zach's body on the ground. I thought we were going to be done with this bit. <laughs> There's just an awkwardness, tangible awkwardness here in the studio right now as we're recording this. And I just don't, I just don't want to let it go. I see that. <laughs> I just don't want to let it go. Uh, so I won't, and I will make un- inappropriate references to it throughout the episode. If I randomly disappear from our episode, you can <laughs> definitely start call. with me. Definitely start with me as the number one as the number one suspect. That's true. But this is the part of the show where we get to talk about our experience playing the game. We talk about the good. We talk about where we feel like there's some room for improvements. All of it done in a brother and sisterly love for the game creators that are out there Mm -hmm. because we just really want to be an encouragement to everybody that's going on while at the same time just throwing some truth out there. Today's game, as I mentioned, is The Clockwinder, a murder-style game from Sultans of Solve, which is a really new, exciting company, in my opinion. And we had a really good time playing this, Zach. We did. It was definitely a fun, what was it, like an hour, hour yeah, 15 that we took it? Hour to 90, I would say that's fair. Mm. 
And uh, it really did pack a punch. It was very good. I was very surprised, to be honest, with how much I actually liked the game. I, I just don't think you know what you're getting into anytime you dive into a new company. Yeah. So I think there's always some hesitancy there. But we were pleasantly surprised with this game. Mm-hmm. It, we enjoyed our time thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about why. Zach, kick us off. Reason number one why we really enjoyed this game. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the first thing we really enjoyed was actually the humor. So to kind of go into the game a little bit, um, kind of the narrative is that you are a detective that has been hired or you're kind of summoned to help a uh, Oak Hollow Police Department, if I remember correctly, uh, who has been trying to capture the serial killer. Uh, but the serial killer actually asks for you specifically to try to solve the case. Uh, and it becomes this thing that he is trying to test you to see if you would be the Sherlock to his Moriarty. Yes. Uh, and he explains the rules of the game, which I found actually really f- funny, but also a solid way to start the game. by kind of tell you exactly what you're trying to do. Um, it kind of goes more into some more humor with some of how the answers kind of play into the narrative. And then the ending specifically had a really funny narrative moment uh, that made me laugh when I realized what we'd solved. Yes. And, and overall, anytime you get into a serial killer theme, you're expecting it to treat it either realistically or serious, mm-hmm. but this did not. For a majority of the game, it it attempts to, and I'm not saying like in a bad way, It it the narrative kind of plays out as if you are the detective, you find all these bodies and you're kind of confused. But I find the hilarious part being that the serial killer kind of just knows it's all game and that even if you're like trying to catch up to him, he's so far ahead of you that he just starts playing tricks on you. And especially with the end, like it, yes. it was hilarious being like, oh, this is kind of dead serious. And then he just starts making fun of you for trying to do things. <laughs> it it really did have a great comedic ending in our opinion. But even the references mm-hmm. that we found throughout the puzzles, like th- this is to say that this game just doesn't take itself too seriously yeah, in, in, in a good way, mm-hmm. right? Like in narratively in a good way. We thoroughly enjoyed playing a murder mystery game where it was just fun. Like, yes, unfortunately, there were people dying, but the tone of the game was fun and the driving character, the antagonist and that just really played into that really well. Mm -hmm. We and. We enjoyed a serial killer as much as we can enjoy a serial killer. Yeah, it, it almost feels like sometimes when you play serial killer games, it tries to become too dark. Yes. And I think this game did it perfectly where it did feel quite um, creepy at points with how the narrative kind of spun the murders and where you found them and kind of everything that was going on. But then every time that it started getting like too serious, it felt like the that's the moment that the comedic would hit and then be like, oh, OK, that like it kind of brings you back down to being like, oh, this is, you know, and then like I said, it ends on a pretty funny note in our opinion. Right. And, and, and just to move us into the, the second point that we really enjoyed for this is the diverse puzzling. Yep. A lot of different diverse types of puzzles in here. The puzzling reinforces that like you don't have any type of weird blood smatterings mm-hmm. or the puzzle material felt very light comparative in its tone compared to the theme itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that played into it as well. I'll, I'll describe it like, let's say Hinks turned into a serial killer. Hinks from Hinks. Ele- like this is, this is that game. Yeah. This is Hinks elevator serial killer. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what, that's how I'm going to think about this game. But uh, it's similar to Hinks, just a really diverse group of puzzles, quite a few of them too. Mm-hmm. a lot of puzzle material to work through in the game. And I like that. Sometimes we were physically manipulating up things. Sometimes we were code breaking. 
but it really gave you a lot of different looks throughout the game. Yeah. Uh, some of my favorites we're about to put up on our wall after this is through, but overall I was, I was pleased. They didn't really tackle one aspect of puzzling too hard to where it felt like we were constantly code breaking or doing this. A lot of it is like discovering words or codes or things like that, Mm -hmm. but they always gave it a fresh take. I would say, Zach, what else did we really like? I really like the hint system. The hint system we talk about a lot, you know, in our episodes, but it's very important, you know, because at the end of the day, it is a game. You want to have fun. And the moment you're starting to struggle too much, you do want help. You want the help to be solid. So for uh, the clock winder, it is a tiered hint system. It gave you generally like four to five hints. It gave you a how to solve. So it would kind of tell you like exactly what the process was to do it without telling you the answer. And then there was a solution where it just flat out told you how the puzzle was solved and all the answers. It was really well done. We looked back at it. I think we didn't use it at all in the game, if I remember correctly. We just looked at the very end to see what it was like. And I really enjoyed it. And it looked good, especially when you, you know, you know, this guy who created it. It's kind of like a it's his first game, you know, and sometimes when you do that kind of stuff, you're kind of like, well, you're going to let it slide a little bit, depending on a first game, especially if it's like a small company. Yes. But it was very well done. I really liked the website. It It, wasn't. It's sometimes tiered into like five, six hints. What's I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, Like it, it was very thorough. And I just appreciate that so much from someone who's throwing out their game to the public for the first time. It's like, yep. you've done your research, you know what's needed. Thank you for making this accessible to people who want to burn a lot of hints and people who try not to burn hints like mm-hmm. we do. Like we try to figure it out without using anything. And sometimes we're successful with that. And other times we are most definitely not successful with that. Mm-hmm. But even the framework of the game, Zach brought up earlier how much he liked the fact that the serial killer was the one giving us the rules for the game Mm -hmm. that felt a little more immersive. Just the, the general framework, the onboarding, the hint all felt, you know, not, not the greatest ever, but they were good. They were well done. They set you up to be successful in the game. Mm -hmm. And I think all around, this was a really good game. Like I wish if I made a game that this would be my first try. Yeah. Right. First try. It's very well done. Very well. Very like got to give the clap. Yeah. Very, very, very well done. I would happily play another game by Sultans of Solve after playing this game. Mm -hmm. But let's move now into where we feel like if we would give some advice or some, some critique or some room for some growth, what we would uh, jump into. And I'll, I'll start off here with this is it felt that the quality of product. And I mean, the quality of product that the puzzle is on varied too much from me, puzzle to puzzle. Some of them like the last puzzle before you hit the meta that I really enjoyed mm-hmm. was on a higher quality of paper. And then sometimes you just got like a half chopped eight and a half by 11. Yeah. And I almost want people to lean into that one way or the other. Like, and I understand there's cost issues here. There's, there's different issues, but I, I just think there's value in picking a lane and giving that lane a reason in terms of the quality of product that you have and going with it. Like, mm-hmm. I think this game could very easily be redone in terms of the products that it has mm-hmm. and be a much better game. We, we referenced Hinks earlier. Hinks yeah. is my definition of that game, that it is mostly a game on paper, few plastic things, but the quality of all of it is fantastic. Like it, eleva- it elevates the game into a different stratosphere of game purely because the creators over at Bluefish took the time to 
think about the quality, that detail that it was on. Yeah. And I think, I think Sultans of Solve could very easily do that. And then that's another echelon of game that this is on. Yeah. You agree with me on that? I agree. I think it just needs a little bit of work on that. And it, it fixed one of our only issues. Right. And that, and that's even like, to be honest, both our issues are small, right? They're not big things. Right. They're, they're just kind of, they're things that a first company, you would love to give them criticism on. So you could be like, hey, like if you create your next game and we already liked 99% of it, you fix like the one issue we had, we love it. Yeah, you know? it was it was great. Uh, the, the other thing that, and we only really had two things for this game, we felt like there was a little bit of disconnect in the cohesion and the flow of the entire game. And what we mean by that is when you get to a puzzle, it's very clear that we are, it felt like departing from the narrative and now just doing a puzzle. The puzzles weren't driving the story per se. Is that is that a fair way to say that, Zach? Yeah, so how the game plays is that you, because like I said, at the beginning you get kind of a letter that tells you how the game's going to flow. You are trying to solve puzzles to find locations of the dead bodies of the seven people to prove to the serial killer, the clockwinder, that you are a worthy adversary. So you are trying to, you know, prove and solve these crimes. When you are able to solve a folder that you get or an envelope, you will get an answer of a place and then you put it in. Now, the puzzle itself does have a narration or a bit of like hinting from the serial killer, the clockwinder, which I did like that it felt like he was writing personal notes to you with that had like puzzles yes. on them. Yes. But you could make an argument that it was doing like a puzzle and then you get an answer of a place and then all of your narrative comes on the website when you put in the answer. Correct. Because then that's where you read like the three paragraphs that explain what's going on next. And then it goes now open next envelope. And then you open the envelope and it's a puzzle, you know, and you get like a little bit of narration in terms of like, like I said, it's the clockwinder making the puzzle for you. Yes. But there's no like you learn more narrative. It's just saying like, hey, I threw a puzzle at you. Yes. And then you get all your narrative on the website. It's And I feel like this is what we're trying to say is we look at games in three categories and all of them matter. Number one is, did we like the narrative? We answered that in the first question. Yes, mm -hmm. it was different. It was humorous. We enjoyed it. We liked the puzzles. Yep. There weren't any flaws in any of the puzzles. The puzzles were good. But then the third criteria is when you get, did you like the intersection of the narrative and the puzzles? And for me, the answer to that was that needs some work because there seemed to be sometimes that it was very clear that we were doing what I would call like an on theme puzzle, mm. but it did, it didn't move me anywhere. Right. Like in some of, in some of the other games that we've played, the puzzles are moving you. They're so integrated into what is happening in the story, but this game felt more like a serial killer who was just picking on theme puzzles and they were good puzzles. They were fun yeah. puzzles, but I feel like this is a, opportunity to build out your world a little more mm -hmm. and to really integrate both of those things into something that is constantly moving. And that's what we're talking about in terms of cohesion and flow is we want that third category. I think most people want that third category checked off to say like, this is a really awesome game is that is the box that is so hard to check. And I think, and I think in the games forward, they could do a little more to move that forward. Agree or disagree with me on that. I agree. I think so much is good about this game and I don't want to tear it down, but I just want to give that encouragement is that is the only intersection of this game where it felt like, okay, now we're in a puzzle mode. Now we're in a narrative mode. Now we're in a puzzle mode. Now mm. we're in a narrative mode. And the fusion of those more, I think will only make this a richer experience in the future for the games that we hope to play. Agreed.
Yeah. But that's all we really had. I, I had a lot of fun with this. I'm trying to remember the last time that I like openly chuckled in a game in like, yeah. a, in like a good way. Mm. And uh, it was just fun. Like I, I will have many of the puzzles in this game uh, up on our wall because they were great puzzles and we had a lot of fun with them. And I don't think there's a whole lot to tidy up to really move this into a game that I would love to play on a regular basis. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. But that is uh, that's all we have for the Clockwinder today. Hang around. We've got puzzles to the people coming at you next. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for puzzles to the people. Come to Recon. You can come in your pajamas. You can drink whatever you want. You can eat whatever you want. That's what's so great about Recon being at home this year. RealityEscapeCon.com. If you loved hearing from Silvano from Deckscape, if you loved hearing from Michelle and Yassine from Society of Curiosities, all of these creators are going to be with us talking about some really cool things that they're working through and what's coming in the future. We hope to see you guys at Recon. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are now in the section that is called Puzzles to the People. In this section, I don't know anymore. I feel like Jared spices it up every time, but generally it's one of two things. Uh, This is kind of a section where we kind of go in a back and forth discussion about topics, about the games that we play or about the, the whole community as a whole. Or sometimes what we have fun with is we take kind of comments or suggestions or people's reviews about a game from either like Amazon or from the community and kind of discuss them and then kind of see if we agree or disagree with them. So Jared, what format are we going today? We're going to questions again. We're not doing reviews today. Okay. Um, but a lighthearted question. Oh, okay. Because I really don't want to miss out on humor yeah. in our games. If you had to say what percentage of games that we have played have some form of humor in them, what would you say to that? I would say like 20, 25%. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. It's on the lower end, realistically. Right. I think every game has some sense of humor, but most games aren't going for humor in it. Correct. It, it's more of like a, there's one joke in it. Or, or there's like an Easter egg about the creators that if you know them, that you, 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 can, you can pick up on them. Like yeah. I learned the other day, um, in, in Enigma Fellowship, the postcards, those are pictures that that uh, Anuj and Orsi have actually taken. Yeah, they take all those photos. They take all those photos. I, I didn't know that. Oh, did you not? No, I didn't know that. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, think, I think Angela from Krakenut told me that the other day. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really cool. And that makes the game more engaging for me, knowing them. And, they were actually there? Yeah. yeah, they were actually there and doing things like that. And that may make some other things like more enjoyable. But like when you're going for humor in a game, I, I think I see it even less. And I'm, yeah. I'm wondering, why do you think that is? Why don't you think more companies are approaching their products with humor as an objective? I think it's hard. I think humor is just like anything is subjective. I, th- I think you really, humor to everyone is very different. I think it's just a hard target audience to hit. Like if you're trying to like, like purely aim at it, because you could make a game that you think is hilarious to you and you try to sell it to the mass majority of people and they don't find it funny. And mm-hmm. I think that immediately drops, right? So it's kind of finding that mix of like, okay, what I think is generally funny that most people will find funny, but keep it engaging. Because at some point, you if it's too jokey, then you're kind of like, okay, I'm just reading jokes. You know, like the puzzle quality has to be really good. I think almost narratively, it has to be even better because your writing has to be almost perfect with joking. You know, like 
writing that good joke that you don't expect, right? If I read it and it literally looks like I'm reading like a, a joke book, then I'm like, okay, I'm just reading a joke book. You know what I'm getting at? I think it's just really hard to do well to try to make a game that is mostly humor based. Well, I'm not even saying like if most of our games are tragedy, where's all the comedy? Sure. Right. I'm just wondering why it's not a component often sought after. Is it that the themes of most of what we do, our life is on the line and it just is not thematically appropriate? I agree. Yeah, I think it's an immersion thing. I think it's hard sometimes that most topics are not comedic based. They're more like serious, like, oh, it's a curse or you're trying to solve a crime or you're trying to find a hidden, you know, relic on an island. You know, you're there's it's a bunch of different topics that just feel like humor isn't a big part of it. And I think sometimes what we we talked about in a bit was that I think comedy can fit well in there in small bits, like throw in one joke, right? Sure. That fits in there or like or a couple. You just throw them like two or three in over an entire like hour experience. It can be pretty good if it's written well. But I, I, yeah, I think it's just hard. I think it'd be weird to play like a, a root of all evil by crack and nut and then randomly get a joke in it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but I'll, but I'll counter with like some of, uh, some of our favorite movies that we like. Like if you look at like, let's talk about, we always, we talk about the Avengers. Yeah. We like the Avengers. That's an, I don't know what genre you would say that is, but there, there's comedy throughout it that mm-hmm. keeps diversity of feeling throughout it. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so good, Mm -hmm. right? Take the comedy comedic moments away from the characters in Avengers and you just have like a good action hero movie, but the comedy builds things out. Agreed. Yeah. So I, I just wonder if there, and I don't know, I'm not saying like we need more, don't hear me saying like, I'm not going to die on the comedy Hill in at home puzzles and mysteries, Mm -hmm. but I wonder if it's, it's a missed opportunity for a lot of games because comedy is, is subjective, but it's personal. And I think it shows depth. It adds like a human element because comedy is used for many different things. And you know, for humans, right? Yes. It can be mainly for a joke. It can be used as a coping mechanism. Like that is the intriguing part with comedy is that it's not two dimensional. It it is so complex that any type of joke can be meant in any different way and used for different reasons. You know, like you said, I think it could be really good in some games because it would bring back that, like it's getting too serious. Bam. Let's, let's put it back in a, like a, you realize, Hey, like it's okay. It's not, the world's not ending in this game. <laughs> You're just having a good time. Or like you said, it's a character development. It's a thing of like this character seems really upset and you introduce another character or an element that makes them realize the same thing. Like, yes. Hey, like we can, we can joke about this a little bit. It's not, you're not dying. Right. You're not. Di- well, and, and so let's talk about that within the context of the game. We've already touched on this a little bit. I like the serial killer in this game and I will remember him because of the comedy that is in the game. Like it's like a larger than life character. Like I can describe the serial killer as a methodical jerk. Yes. Like, and I love him for it. Yeah. And my favorite or, or her, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. we don't, we don't, we don't know yeah, who yeah. it is. Uh, but, but I think that the comedy and in, in, in even the wrap up, like I want to face off against this person again, because 
they're not just another run of the mill like oh I've killed somebody you'll never catch me what's the thing of like uh, super villains and in, in superhero movies right like what's the difference between the Joker and an average henchman that's a fair question like why do we like the Joker because versus- it's it's the insanity or yes. the things you don't comprehend or the comedic value of it versus a henchman that goes okay I kill someone this is my one dimensional thing I must achieve I'm gonna get stopped by Batman and yes. then you're like okay but then you introduce like a Joker element or really any villain that has any character value that's more than me be bad guy, then you're intrigued. And, and comedy is a big thing for obviously the Joker. But yeah, it's it's interesting because I also really like that they clearly state to you how this serial killer is going to play. But also they immediately tell you their comedic value. They're very much like, I'm better than everyone. I want to find someone who's as good as potentially can even be close to me. And I don't care about anyone. And what I like about that is it makes you very clearly not like the person. Yes. But you like them because they very clearly are like, I want to prove you wrong and I'm going to have a great time showing you that you're wrong. Right. And we had a great time on the journey yeah. with this jerky character who promised us something at the end and then didn't give it to us. I mean, we were dumb to think that we would get it. Sure. Sure. Like, let's let's be real. Yeah. But uh, even outside of the genre, I just wonder... Again and again, is there more room for writing comedy or even comedic puzzles, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, I had an um, an interview earlier today. Uh, I'll just throw this out there with Murder & Co. Mm-hmm. And they have a Kickstarter that is just fulfilled that's going to release near the end of the year. They're going to come on the show. We're excited to have them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are framing their games 18 plus. Yeah. Because of how authentic it is going to be. And I, I, part of me wonders is like, why couldn't our humor be that way too? Like, yeah. I'm not talking a bit about just being like crass for crass's sake, but like there are different levels of humor too. And I wonder if we can, if we can see more of that. I would like to see more of that in the games, even though I don't think it is a prerequisite for a good game. Agreed. Right. Like look at all the games up on our wall that we've really enjoyed most of the ones that I would say that are at my top of the list had not minimal to none, minimal to no comedic value because that's the lane that they stayed. Agreed. But I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just, I'm wondering that to myself, like, oh yeah, like this is a format and a medium like anything else, right? Yeah. Books, movies, puzzle games are a medium. And that means they can fall into sci fi, drama, like, I, I think that's one of the areas that we can explore more as a community because we feel so locked into it's got to be a thriller. It's got to be this. It Like that is what people are expecting. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's room for more diversity there. Well, I think the fun part is like we could talk about box one again. I think box one has a really good element of humor. Yes, absolutely. That's a great point. Like that's one of the first games other than this that I thought had a really good touch of having a lot more comedic value in it than other games. Yes. That did it well. That did it very well. Where it had a fun element where it did feel a little creepy because if you've played box one, you know what we're talking about. Yes. But also it's Neil Patrick Harris. Right. And he's very good at being like kind of jokey. And a lot of the puzzles have that joke element into it. Yes. Let's go down that for a little bit. That's not something we talked about, you and I. We we talked about the narrative and enjoying the narrative when we did the review. But I think at the time that just flew over my head that 
one of the reason that people are identifying with this so much is because it is lighter. Yeah. It is funnier. The puzzling and the puzzling aspects of it are different. Mm-hmm. They're unique. They're diverse. But at the same time, the narrative is absurd. Yep. And hilarious. And I, man, I, that's a, I think that's a really great point, Zach. I'm, I'm glad you brought us back to that game to talk about that. I know. I'm so good. Uh, but yeah, if, uh, if you have any thoughts about this, we would love to, to hear about this. We may throw up a question uh, be in the group and, and, and see if we can get a little bit of this conversation going before we post this episode. Because I'm I just keep thinking about it. It's, it's something that for some reason it's just kind of tickled me and I'm, I'm running down that road. Mm-hmm. But I think that's going to wrap us up for this middle section. We definitely want to hear from our creator. So hang with us. Questions for creators coming at you next. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. Hey, everybody. Jared here from Puzzling Company. If you are not aware yet, the Recon or the Reality Escape Conference is coming up August 22nd and 23rd. Well, you're saying to me, you can't go. Nobody can actually get there. It's all online this year. So if you're interested in the tabletop world and escape rooms or anything immersive, there's going to be a wide range of awesome speakers, games that you can play, and you can find all the information out about this conference at realityescapecon.com. We're going to be there doing a session. Definitely come check it out. Recon, realityescapecon.com. Welcome back, everybody. I do just want to reiterate the ads that we're talking about. We're pumped. We are getting to moderate a panel at Recon, Mm -hmm. um, but we're also very excited to get to be hearing from the other really cool people inside and in adjacent spaces that are going to be presenting. Yes. Everybody should come to that. You can do it from the comfort at your home. Uh, The creators, uh, David and Lisa Spira, have made it very intentional to try to make it on days that are not like the busiest for us. There's a lot of intentionality behind this conference. Mm -hmm. And we want you to take the opportunity to come join us. Go to realityescapecon.com. You can check out ticket prices, different passes if you're interested in playing games or doing workshops. It's just going to be a really, really great time. And then hopefully we can all be together for that in 2022. But right now, uh, I want to talk about a really cool creator that we're honored to have on the show. I don't, I don't want to say a whole lot about this person because I'm kind of, I said this at the end of the last episode, I'm kind of blown away by this person in terms of their professional desires and where they're at with them. And then the fact that they built a great game like this in the Mm -hmm. meantime, but we're going to leave it to them. So I'm going to have us jump right into the interview because I don't want to miss out on any time with them. So tell us your name your company, and what you were doing before this was ever an option. Sure. So my name's Jack McNulty. The name of our company is Sultans of Saul. Uh, And prior to the creation of the company, I was new to the puzzling world. I I was, uh, as we talked about a little bit before, I played my first game. Uh, It was a Deadbolt Mystery Society game sometime in like February of 2020. Uh, while I was studying for uh, step one of my medical board exams uh, as a way of keeping my mental sanity during that time. And uh, prior to that, you know, just uh, uh, a med student with uh, with a lot of like athletic and and a little bit of creative interests. And then, you know, found these puzzles, loved them, and then decided to try to make one. So about the name of your company, 
why did you choose Sultans of Solve? Out of, out of everything, I'm very intrigued to know why you picked that name. So the company itself, our first game, the only one that's available currently, although, like I said, we'll, we're hoping to have a second one out within a month or so, two months maybe. Uh, the, uh, the first game was meant to be just a birthday present for my mom. Uh, we started playing those games, like I said, together in like February of 2020. We would play them uh, sporadically. We started, we started to really love them. So we, you know, we branched out from just Deadbolt. We got a bunch of other companies, bought a bunch of boxes and, and started doing them when I, you know, when I needed a break or whatever from studying. And we really developed a passion for it. And it was actually on the, I had to fly down to Florida to take my step one exam because everything was still closed up here uh, in July. And it was actually on the plane ride back that, you know, I had played with the idea of maybe making a puzzle or two, like in my head, like I, I would look at a puzzle and say, oh, maybe I could do this one a little bit better or something like that. Uh, or this gives me idea, an idea for a cool puzzle, but never really thought of like making something official. And then it was actually on the plane ride back from my step one exam that I was like, hmm, my mom's birthday is in September. You know, it would be really cool is if I could make one for her and we'll just have some fun with it. So the very first puzzle was designed on the plane ride back, actually. And I finished the game, gave it to her for her birthday. She loved it. The very first uh, iteration of the game, because I am not tech savvy whatsoever, was made on uh, was made on Microsoft Word. Uh, so it was very, very rough in terms of the I think it still worked. But uh, there were, you know, the, the graphs and stuff were just the best I could do with Microsoft Word. Um, and she really loved it. We gave it to my aunt who had also been playing some of the games that we finished and we would give to her and she loved it. And right around that time, uh, you know, Angela from puzzle people was messaging about secret Santa. I was like, hey, we should try it for secret Santa. Why not? Uh, and my aunt was like, well, I have this graphic design software from some other projects she had worked on in the past. She's like, I can clean some of this up. Uh, and so she started to like, you know, make some, some new versions of the, of the different graphics I had created running them by me. And, and we worked together to really make it look kind of production value. And then we sent it out for, and I was pretty happy with it right then and there. I thought we could maybe market it then and there. Uh, but we sent it out for secret Santa. We also sent a copy to Angela and we got some feedback from those people. And, uh, that's really what spurred us on into thinking, uh, we should make this make it commercially available. And like I said in our previous interview or previous talk, right around that time, just like the first one was a gift for my mom for her birthday, I decided to make another one for Christmas. And so I was making a second box that I thought was actually even better than the first. Ideas were kind of just flowing pretty well. And uh, the first one was kind of rounding into production form. And so then the idea was maybe we should make this into a company. And once we decided to do that, then it was like, okay, what's our name going to be? When I initially made the box as a joke, I called it McNulty Mysteries. Um, and I just didn't want to use my name in the box for whatever reason. I just figured if we we're going to make it uh, commercially available, let's make it something more not just specifically tied to me. Um, and so we came up, I, you know, I just sat down one night and just thought of a, a bunch of names on the spot. And we had, I think, maybe... The first idea was like CJG Mysteries, which is like a combination of all three of our first initials. That was kind of like boring, I thought. Uh, then we decided, I was trying to think of things that were a little unique. You know, everybody seems to have, and it's no knock on anybody, but there's a lot of puzzling companies that use iterations of the word puzzle or mystery or enigma. And so we wanted to be a little bit different while still falling in the genre. Uh, and so I think the, the, 
the tune, I, I wrote a couple down on paper, ran it by my mom and my aunt. And we whittled it down. And the last two we came down to were Wizards of Wit and Sultans of Solve. We liked the alliterative nature of those. They kind of rolled off the tongue. Sultans of Solve was the first one I thought of because A, I'm a big baseball fan and Babe Ruth was known as the Sultan of Swat. And I don't know if you know the song by Dire Straits, Sultans of Swing. That's one of my favorite songs. And so just naturally, when I was thinking of words that went with mystery, it was like, you know, sleuth, deduce, solve. And I was like, oh, sultans of solve. Cool. And then Wizards of Wit followed from that because I wanted to do another alliterative name. And when we were thinking about it, sultans of solve, because it's kind of that that sultans of theme has been used. We figured that that would be more uh, identifiable. Also, Sultan is just cool, I think. Uh, it's a cooler thing. Like, Wizard has kind of been used. You know, J.K. Rowling cornered the market on it. So, Sultan has not really been the market on Sultan hasn't been cornered yet. And so, that, along with the idea that I had an initial idea for the logo, and immediately when I thought of Sultans of Solve, we were just like, we're going to run with that. And then, you know, from there, once I did the first rough thing of the logo, my aunt played with it on her design software, and then she helped design the, the website. and went from there. So tell us a little bit about your family dynamic, because you told us it's not just you, you've got the fam working on it. Uh, you even in our, uh, conversations previous to this said, it kind of feels like a gruzzle, which spoilers, we're going to have gruzzle on in the next couple of episodes, but tell us a little bit about doing that with your family. What's the dynamic like who is doing what, what's the enjoyment factor of that? It's really great because each of the three, it's just me, my mom and my aunt. Um, and it's great because the three of us have very distinct, I would say strengths and they, that the strengths really come together to make it, to make the box. Well, I think, um, my mom's my best friend in the world. So I just love anything I can do with her. Um, and she is fantastic at, so like I design the puzzles or I design the ideas for the puzzles. Uh, that's sort of my job in the in the company is to come up with the, the themes of the games and the, 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 the first iterations of the puzzles. My mom is my first play tester always and will always be because she is very good at like playing a puzzle and giving great feedback as to what worked and what won't work and what she thinks will work for broader, you know, broader audiences. And she made some great suggestions to the first puzzles on Clockwinder. And so she's very good at that. She's also very, very good at organization. So when it comes time for production, she's great at um, organizing things. And, you know, because production, even if you're not, we're not selling on a mass scale yet, like Deadbolt or, or like Hasbro companies, it's still, even if you're selling 25, 30 boxes, it's still a lot of elements. Uh, and so maximizing that is, is very, very important. So that her strengths lie in those, in those areas. And my aunt, like I said, with her and also my mom with some of the creative because I make the first round on, on Microsoft Word. I still do that. Uh, I did that for the Christmas game. I'll do that for the next one. Or I am in the process of doing that for the one after that. And my aunt will then take my original idea and play around with it on, on the, the software, the uh, Adobe software. And she's really good at it. She loves doing it. She'll, I'll get like text from her at 1 a.m. How does this thing look? And I'm like, I got to get up at five, but it looks great. Um, and so, uh, she, she's great at playing with that. And then my mom is great at like looking at something and saying, you know, this is almost perfect. It needs just this little tweak. Uh, and so I give both of them, my mom and my aunt sort of, once I give them the initial plan, like a lot of poetic license to change it, to make it look really pretty and nice. Uh, 
and my aunt is like a mad scientist with those, uh, with those Adobe software. She just goes into the lab late at night, takes my initial thing and like transforms it into something beautiful. Um, she's done a phenomenal job with all the technical aspects of it. She's done the website. Uh, she, uh, she's, and the hint system is just from the, she did the hint system and it's better than I could have imagined. Like with the drop downs, I don't know how you felt about it, but I thought, I think it's great. Um, and just knowing that I would never be able to do that, like <laughs> program it on the computer, uh, let alone the hints themselves, but just the, the fluidity of the, of the hint system, uh, is fantastic. And so I think each of us has a very distinct role and it comes together very nicely. So tell us a little bit about the first game without any spoilers and why you decided to open with this game specifically. So I don't want to turn this into like a shameless plug for deadbolt. Again, I keep bringing them up, but they had a, I remember that summer right before I went to go take the exam. I went, uh, I remember I was going out for ice cream and I was like flipping through my phone and, uh, they had like this summer competition. It was like caption this photo. Uh, and if we like it, we may use it to start a game of ours in the future. And it was just like a picture of like a, a, a dark storm, like a, a storm cellar, um, on like a fall afternoon or whatever, late fall afternoon. So, uh, there wasn't a lot to the photo and, you know, I just imagined someone walking down there and I was like, what could make the, you know, you, cause when you want to write like an intro, you want it to be something that stands out. And I was like, what's a cool theme for a serial killer. And I just imagined like someone finding a body and having the arms positioned like a clock. I don't, I can't tell you why I thought of it. It just happened. And so that I wrote an initial thing, you know, if someone wants to search the archives, they could probably find the initial post I made on the Facebook page about finding a, a body in the arms flayed like a, a clock and uh, the clock winder had struck again or something like that is how I, I think I ended it. I was thinking of a cool like serial killer name that was like kind of intimidating, but also not too scary that like a family game couldn't do. And so the clock winder seemed the clock maker was too much. Like, uh, I think there was another game we had played called the toy maker. So the clock maker, I thought was a little too much of like a ripoff from that. Uh, and so it wound up being the clock winder. And so I had known at the time, I still wasn't thinking about making a game. I just wanted to use it as the intro for that competition. I didn't win the competition, but I liked the intro I wrote. And then, like I said, when I was in that plane ride back, I was like, maybe I should make a game. I've already got a cool serial killer for it. And the very first puzzle, like I said, was designed on the plane ride back, playing off of that clockwinder theme. Any, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but anybody that's played the game, you'll know the, the watch puzzle. That was the very first puzzle that I designed. And it was because I have a clockwinder. Naturally, I love watches as a person. Naturally, watches would follow. And uh, I didn't have the full thing mapped out, but I knew I wanted to use watches and, and how I was going to use the watches to make something, you know, make a message out of it essentially. Um, and so then I could just play a lot with the clock theme that I find has been easier for me, you know, play companies like Hinks can just like make puzzles and like little blurbs out of like nothing, like just nonsensical fun stories. I find it easier to make puzzles when I have a theme. So I had this time theme I could build off of that. Now, not all of the puzzles in the clock winder are time theme, but there are a fair amount of them. Um, and so that is where it started, I guess. It was just sort of a natural progression from the first thing I wrote. And then I was able to design a, a puzzle that was time themed. And then I, I, I built off of that. 
You can tell us as little or as much as you want, but what's for the future of Sultans of Solve? Do you have any new games that you're about to announce? Are you going to stop? You know, what What will you do? I'm very in- interested to know. So our, our next game is, like I said, I made it for last Christmas. So it was done. The initial round was done last Christmas. Then, you know, the months of January, February, um, March were sort of getting the initial phases of the company going. Uh, so we didn't, and, and then finalizing Clockwinder. And then I went back to, back to school and I started, you know, April, May, June, April, May, June, July. I've been on very busy rotations. I was in the neuro ICU in April. I was on cardiothoracic surgery in May and then two months of neurosurgery, all of which are pretty time consuming rotations. And so I personally haven't been able to work on it, but with the launch of the company, my, my mom and my aunt have been doing a lot of like the, the, uh, packaging and the shipping of the, of the clock winder. And they're starting the play testing of our next game, which is violent night, um, which is a Christmas themed box because I made it for Christmas. Originally, the release will not be quite at Christmas time, but it'll be right before Christmas time. So I think it's fine. Um, it's our goal with these games is personally, we like the murder mystery, uh, theme. Uh, I know some people aren't, they think it's overplayed. We not every box of ours will be a murder mystery. This one, next one will be, However, it's our goal with these games is going to be your player objective. We're always going to be puzzle first with a interesting store. I think, you know, the Clockwinder, like you said, is a, is a cool villain. I like having something that the reader can connect to, but I don't want you reading for days. Like that's not, yeah, I know some people love that and all the power to them. That's just not what we like as, as gamers. So that's not the type of game we're going to produce. But we do want an adequate enough storyline where you can feel like you're immersed in it. Uh, and then puzzle first, puzzle, puzzle, puzzle. And so your goal is always going to be to solve a massive number of puzzles. Uh, and I don't think we'll make a game where I'm not satisfied with the number and quality of puzzle that we're putting out, which is one of the perks of not being a monthly company. You know, when you're a monthly company, it's really tough on them. I don't even know how they do it. But our goal is to have your player objective be different in each game. So right now we have four planned in our head. Violent night is another murder mystery, but your goal, unlike this one was like finding bodies and whatever, the goal will be slightly different and the gameplay will be a little different. The Tartarus, which is going to be the third box released, it's going to be a Greek mythology themed box. That one is going to be very different than the first two. That will not be a murder mystery. Uh, And then our fourth game, a little teaser, we haven't done much with it yet because we're trying to make, you know, Violent Night be production value. We're in the planning process and like puzzle creation process of Tartarus. Uh, but the fourth one is going to be called Virion or something like Virion. And that will also be very different from the first three. So our goal is to make it so that you get a very interesting storyline, very heavy puzzles that are unique and sort of multidimensional, but also some that you can like just get in and solve. Sometimes you don't want to be stumped. You just want to do a puzzle. So like we want varying levels of difficulty varying levels of depth. And we also want your player objective to be different each time you play. We don't want something formulaic. And so that will be, you know, it'll, we won't be coming out every month because it takes more time to do that sort of stuff. Um, but after I finish this rotation in July, my schedule gets easier until I start residency next summer. I will be busy with interviews. I do have to take step two. So there are other things but I will have a lot more time for creation after my final rotation in September. So 
with that said, Violent Night's getting very close to the end. So, you know, I can sort of work on that a little bit in August. And I think my mom and aunt can push that through to the, to the end and we can make it available sometime in September. The next two, probably you're looking, the next two may be around winter time, I'm thinking, uh, realistically. And then after that, we'll see where it goes. So it's pretty incredible what you've been able to do. And one of the things we find super interesting about you is that you are currently in med school and you've decided to make this game. We just want to know why and how, like, why did you decide to make a game like this during, you know, like going to med school and everything else you're trying to do professionally? Fortunately, when I first decided to make it, I was on what's called a research year. So it's becoming more prevalent, especially if you plan on applying into uh, like a surgical subspecialty, like I plan on applying into neurosurgery, having research, having publications on your resume is becoming less of like a a wow thing and more of like an expected thing. And just like with any admissions, all admissions are getting super, uh, super competitive. So, you know, from high school now, all the way up through med school and, and residency and all that. So it's just, the game is being upped everywhere. Uh, and so more and more people are taking research years and basically my clinical year, which is your third year of med school, essentially, uh, without boring you with too much detail, our third year is where you first get introduced to the hospital. And that ended for us December, 2019. I had made the decision somewhere around like, I think October of 2019 that I was going to take a research year when the clinical year ended. So the clinical year ended and then everybody has a two to three month dedicated period from January through March to study and take step one, which is a, the huge med school exam. It's, it's sort of like the equivalent of the bar, I guess, uh, if you law school equivalent. Um, it's an insane amount of information. It's like a rite of passage. Everyone hates it. It's more information than you're ever going to want to know. It's an eight and a half hour test or nine hour test. And I was supposed to take it at the end of March and it got canceled because March of 2020 is right when things started to shut down. And so the testing sites shut down and we weren't sure how long they were going to be shut down. And so I was already towards the end of the study period. And it was like, running out of gas already. And then I was going to have to keep that information in my head for an indefinite period of time. So we didn't know when testing centers were going to reopen. Um, I was supposed to be starting research in April, go from April to April with research. Uh, that was getting pushed off because they weren't allowing people in the hospital to do research. And so it was a very like kind of stressful time, kind of like up in the air. And so you needed something to like the mental sanity, keep the mental sanity. And that's when we started playing these games. I think we played the first one in February, but then March, April, May, I eventually didn't take it until July. So I like had to keep all that information in my head for so long that we played those games with increasing frequency to get a break from anything medicine. I, I find when you're in med school too, everything is medicine. And I don't love that about it. So like, you know, you'd spend your whole day doing medicine, then you go out to eat with your friends and you inevitably like start joking about medicine. It's like, everything's medicine. This is such a great thing. I always liked exercising, which was my break. Uh, from medicine, something that had nothing to do with medicine. But this was another thing that just had nothing to do with medicine. And I love that about it. Um, and like I said, once I was done with step one, I was like, I am just not, I know I have to start research because I haven't done much over the last couple months and I was supposed to start in April, but I am just not doing anything ex for the next couple of weeks, except decompressing uh, and maybe working on this box because that's a, that's a form of decompression. And, and so that's how the meld started. I was fortunate that I was introduced to these games and started creating them during a research year when I wasn't in the hospital, but was instead 
doing research. Now I was supposed to be in Brigham and women's hospital doing that research in Boston, but because of COVID, everything was remote. So I was at home on my computer doing the clinical research, you know, reviewing patient charts and whatever. And so it was a lot more conducive to still busy, but a lot more conducive to being able to pump out these games. And now I'm entering a phase of med school where it's a little bit more free time after this, you know, four or five month stretch of hell, where it's also free time, how it's going to work when I reach residency next summer, that's a bridge to cross when I get there. But until then, I think we'll have some time and I'm excited for it. And Jack, finally, what else have you played? What else are you currently playing? It's clear that you have played these games before that you enjoy them. What was your inspiration and what type of games do you like to play at home? So for us, we, we may, I've mentioned their name a bunch of times. We love the deadbolt mystery society. They're very, very consistent. They're very, very fun. We play them. Yeah. Like I haven't played, I'm super excited because when I go home in August, I have a break before my last tough rotation in September. I have like a bunch of months built up like April through April through July, at least are all built up. So I'm super pumped about that. Hanks, even though they don't have a, you know, they have their, you know, they have their uh, monthly or week is, I think it's monthly gazette. Uh, we've played both of their, the elevators and stairs. Gruzzle, I have several of those built up that I'm excited about, but, but the ones we've played have been amazing. We are Sleuth King fans. We, we, have, we have several of those that we still haven't played, but we do like Sleuth Kings. Um, we love and we don't feel like this company, even though they've been around for a while and they, uh, you see them occasionally, but I don't feel like they get enough love. And that's the Conundrum Box. I love the Conundrum Box. And, you know, the Orient Express is one of my favorite games ever. I thought that was a, a fantastic game. Um, and so I would say that, you know, those are the ones that we know we're going to get like either monthly or bi-monthly or whatever. And those are our rock solid. We know what kind of game we're going to get out of them. Uh, there's been some more one-offs uh, that I'm, some of the names are, are escaping me right now. We did play box one, like every, you know, everybody plays box one. I'm trying to think of some of the other one-offs we've played that we liked the werewolf, uh, was it the werewolf, the werewolf experiment or something like that. I thought that was a very cool game. Um, had a lot of elements. Conspiracy 19 was very cool. Um, haven't played witchery spell yet. I think we have it, but we've heard great things. So we've, we've dabbled in a lot. I would say, you know, deadbolt is our, like our home. That's our go-to when we want a night, when we know, you know, cause we know what we're going to get. We, we have a specific, you know, Spotify playlist that we put on, on our speaker. When we, when we, when we play a deadbolt game, we got a special notebook for them. We sit down and we do them. Uh, but a lot of those other companies, like I said, are also very, very consistent and we look forward to playing them. And then the one, a couple of the one-offs and there's some more that we have sitting in the basement that I, I know I want to try. I just, I'm forgetting them now. Well, we just want to say thank you again to Jack for coming on the show. Very busy individual. I would be yes. too. We hope that you simultaneously continue working on saving lives and building puzzle games for us. We yes, hope, please. we hope that you don't stop doing either and somewhere discover the ability to stretch time out into longer time. Is that possible? Does that work? I don't think, but maybe with the clock winder, you can maybe with the clock winder. You can. I'm just thinking of like, you know, in, uh, you know, kind of like in inception where like you're in the dream world for a day, mm -hmm. but it's really like four or five years in there. If it, maybe if Jack could figure out how to do that, then he could have time to, to do it all for us. Sure all the brain surgeries and all of the wonderful games that we love to play. 
Excellent. That's that's the that's the dream. That's the dream. Well, if you're interested in supporting Jack and his games, please go to sultansofsolve.com. Pick up a copy of The Clockwinder and some of the other projects that he's talking about coming out in the future. And leave him a good review. Give it a whirl. We had a lot of fun playing this game. It's definitely a worthwhile game picking up your time. For us, how can you support Puzzling Company? Please, as we mentioned last episode, you can go to Apple, Google, Stitcher, any of the places that we have our podcast up. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us why you enjoy the show. Hit us up on Facebook. Shoot us a like. Best thing you can do is to put us on a regular download schedule. Click that subscribe button so that every week when the show is out, you can just have it ready for you and ready to go. And that helps us as we're moving forward with some of our goals and our projects. So, Zach, where are we uh, heading to or what are we playing next week? We've been actually been working on this for a while, haven't we, Jared? It's kind of a big murder we've been trying to solve by the mail. I can easily say that this is the game that has taken us the longest to complete. Yes, it has. It's hard, though, because I could argue that technically the time we spend working on it is not super long, but we've played this game over, what, like a month? Easily, easily two months. Yeah. Two to three months. We've had this game for a long time, but it has a really interesting format of why it's that long. And if you want to know what that format is, you're going to have to tune in next week. That's for true. Jared and Zach, this is Puzzling Company. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. This has been Globe Media Network Podcast.